right, what is up, guys? Welcome back to the Lightline Podcast. Um, I don't know. I think it's been a couple of weeks since Dakota and I have recorded an episode, but that is for good reason. Uh, Melissa and I, we welcomed our first child into the world. That's right. Um, exactly Congrats, man. 10 days ago. Yeah, thank you. So um, we are excited to be back recording uh, the baby's asleep for now. So uh, we'll just call that Providence. And, um, but yeah, we're really excited. Uh, you guys, the listeners know that we've been going through the critical question series, which we super enjoyed that. Now we're going to start shifting, um, a little bit just to a different style of episode, uh, where we're going to be giving our thoughts and reactions just to things that are going on in the world and especially in the world of Christianity and evangelicalism. And so, uh, we're going to kick that off with, um, something that's been somewhat of a hot topic. Uh, the last couple of weeks, which is the Asbury revival, if we're going to call it that. And I think we have to give a little bit of a qualification, right, Dakota? We were talking about this last night. Dakota and I's official stance is we don't know that we should call it a revival, but for the sake of simplicity, we'll call it that for this episode. Um, but yeah, so Dakota, you have a couple of clips for us that we're going to check out. Do you have any sort of opening thoughts um, yeah. about the revival or anything that you want to share? For sure. Yeah. Make, making sure that we're um, kind of emphasizing what you just said is that we're going to be for the sake of simplicity and for not having to clarify uh, every single comment that we make in this entire video, we're going to call it revival and not just Asbury specifically, but anytime we're talking about anything pertaining to what is perceived or what has been labeled a revival, we're just going to call it revival. That does not reflect our opinions or beliefs about the validity of said revival or event. Uh, but just for the sake of simplicity, we're going to call it that. Um, this is not going to be a a focus on just Asbury specifically. We're not we're not. It's not pro Asbury. It's not against or anti Asbury. It's it's we're using Asbury as kind of the the thematic sort of kind of talking point because it's such a hot topic right now. But this is going to be something that it's also pertaining to the idea and the concept of revival just as a whole. Uh, throughout history and kind of just a discussion of that and letting Asbury be the kind of uh, thing that kind of drives the episode essentially. So uh, we are going to do, like Chris said, we are going to kind of approach this a little bit differently than we have. If you've watched or listened to any of our previous episodes, they've been uh, very, you know, really just Chris and I talking. Uh, we've had some references in, in scriptural passages and things like that, and we're going to continue to do that as well. But it's going to be a little bit different in the format. If you're listening to this via just podcast, some of the the clips, I think today's all the all the clips should be fine because I believe it's just dialogue, so they should still make sense. But we'll try as best as we can in this episode and going forward to kind of clarify or or describe in detail uh, exactly what's happening in some of these clips or some of the articles that we're going to be taking a look at that way it's as much of a uh, a good experience for the person listening and not watching as well. Um, but I will say that if you are, if you have the option to watch on YouTube, um, it'll probably be a little bit easier and make a little bit more sense to do that. Uh, if you can, if not, no worries at all. Um, and, and podcasts will be just fine. Um, with that being said, I don't think that this is going to be our only format going forward. I think this is just going to be something that we add on in addition to it. We still do want to do kind of series like we've done with the critical questions and having some where we're, we're just going straight from just Chris and I talking and, 
and going through scripture and, and, you know, looking at some things like, I know we talked about doing some series, uh, a series on like seminary, um, terminology and things like that, that we think could be edifying. Um, that's still something that we plan to do and have in the works. It's not just going to be this complete pivot going forward. This is just something that we're adding on in addition to that. So, um, with all that being said, without all that clarifying, uh, and contextualizing, we're going to kind of start showing these clips first before we start kind of making our positions and feelings known. Um, and our hope is that we can approach, you know, both Chris and I and the listeners well can approach this with a lot of humility and compassion uh, and understanding in in all of this. So um, before I push play on this first clip, Chris, do you have any uh, any kind of final thoughts on that? No, no, I think we're uh, we're good. I'm excited to get into this conversation. Just prepping for it last night, kind of on the phone. I was like, man, we just need to hit record and and do this thing. So Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Do you want to, um, as I'm getting this clip pulled up, do you want to kind of give a little bit of context as to uh, for this first one, this uh, this testimony? Do you want to give some context as to what we're watching here? Sure. Well, and also maybe what we should do, just in case some of our listeners are living under a rock, they don't know what the Asbury Revival yeah. is, maybe Good give call. a little bit of context. So basically, um, the Asbury Revival happened at Asbury University, which is in Wilmore. I think is that Kentucky? Mm -hmm. I want to say Kentucky. So um, basically what they're calling this Asbury Revival uh, they had a chapel service, which obviously is really normal at these college, you know, or uh, Bible colleges. And it was a Wednesday morning, I think. They had their normal weekly chapel. And after the chapel ended, several students stayed in the chapel uh, for a couple of hours. You know, they had people coming in and sort of impromptu leading worship, and people were praying and con confessing their sins and whatnot. Uh, long story short, this turned into a, I think, over 140-hour chapel service where uh, tens of thousands of people, even from around the world, actually came to Asbury to experience this. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the high level of what we're talking about. If you Google Asbury Revival, there you will see uh, a infinite amount of clips and uh, images and pictures and videos and all that sort of stuff online. So if you haven't right. seen that, it's pretty mind blowing, um, to, to see some the crowds of people that came to this thing. So, yeah, but that's what we're talking about today is this revival that happened in Wilmore, Kentucky. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, and, and, and another thing that I'll say too, real quick, before we get, uh, get going into this, this is, uh, the first time that we've utilized this kind of technology. So if it fails on us, uh, or the it's laggy or the audio is weird, something like that. Just give us a little bit of grace here because, um, you know, we uh, we don't know what we're doing. So, um, okay, let me, uh, let me go ahead and push play. And uh, this clip's about 30 seconds. Chapel happened and uh, about 30 minutes after chapel, I got a text that people were still in there praying, which was super cool, but didn't think too much of it. Um, and then about two hours after chapel ended, I got... Uh, I overheard some people talking about the fact that people were still in there and they were headed back. And then we got a text to the RA chat I'm a part of, and it said that uh, y'all got to get here. So I, I left what I was doing, left studying, and I went back to uh, Hughes. And when you walked... Okay, so that's pretty much the context there. So let me stop sharing this. Okay, so Chris, uh, just initial thoughts kind of on on that first part of what uh, what he said there. Yeah, so there's been a little bit of concern, um, and I fall I fall into this camp, by the way, of just in terms of like a what I'd like to call a healthy skepticism. 
Um, one of the concerns that I've had about this whole deal is it's seeming to be a little bit manufactured. Um, and I'm not saying that definitively. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying with some of the stuff, you know, he said in that clip right there that they were sending texts out to the RA chats and all that sort of stuff. And kind of word was spreading on campus. Uh, there's a separate video that I saw um, where they're basically saying, I think it was the president of the university sent out a campus wide email saying revivals happening. Uh, there's other videos of some of the worship leaders like barging into classes and saying, y'all need to get to the chapel. So, you know, I don't really know what to make of that. To me, it seems like a little bit um, of enthusiasm that's going on of like, oh, guys, like we're finally getting to experience a revival. You know, right. you consider the fact that Asbury, if you go on their website, literally type in revival, you're not going to see this most recent one, but you're going to see a long list. And I'd actually pulled it up here. This is kind of how they describe it on their own website. Me, um, I'm going to pull they that say, up while you're uh, while you're talking. Oh, about it. I yeah. can probably get it up here. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, totally good. So I'll just go ahead and read it while you're pulling yeah. it up. Um, the Asbury University has been known. So they kind of confess right at the front that they have a reputation of having revivals. Um, but uh, Asbury has been known throughout the years for its history of great revivals. There have been several occasions when significant moves of the Holy Spirit have swept the campus and reached across the nation. Mm -hmm. And so if you scroll down, you can kind of just see a couple of these, um, and they kind of give like a high-level overview. Um, if you notice, there's a pretty common theme. A lot of them just basically say there were some students praying, and then that prayer meeting lasted for several days is kind of like their definition um of revival right? right and that's why why we said at the start of the episode this doesn't qualify as revival at least not yet it's far far too early to to call it that um but based on what they're saying here none of these things except maybe the february 3rd 1970 because it says 2000 witnesses went out from Wilmore to 130 college campuses. That's evangelism, and that is a mark of a true revival when people go out preaching the gospel. Now, right. we don't we don't know what these witnesses said. We don't know if they were preaching the gospel or they were just saying, oh my gosh, guys, the Holy Spirit was at our campus. Like, we don't know, um, and maybe that information's out there. Yeah, but um, yeah. For, for anybody listening on uh, on just the podcast— um, the we're on Asbury's website right now, and they have a whole uh, a whole tab just that just says revivals. And if you look at it, there's like what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's like eight revivals, not including the most recent one. It looks like probably roughly every like ten to twenty years they uh, they have one. I think that for me, when I first started, and let me stop sharing the screen here. I think we kind of get the point. Um, I think for me, when I first started. You know, when, when this kind of started getting big and I was looking it up and, and didn't really know much about Asbury as a school. And I saw that they had a tab for revival and then they had all of these different ones. That kind of gave me a bit of a bit of pause, I guess, to start off with, just because I feel like it's it's I can't think of any instances where where we see any kind of consistent biblical precedent for a location being a you know and where we can have a understanding or an expectation that there's going to be a specific spot in 2023 or really in the last you know 100 years 
that is going to be a specific spot where the the anointing or the presence or the you know the holy spirit is going to be more in one location in a physical location than they would be somewhere else um so i think that was already a little bit of a red flag i i was watching a couple of the videos of the people that went inside and some of their testimonies and a lot of people were saying like you know when you walk in you could feel the the thickness or the the presence of the spirit um which is definitely you know i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not commenting on that aspect of it i'm just saying that there is you know and they would say that when they left it was it, they almost felt like it was still in the building a little bit which is a bit concerning there's a a bible verse that i let me see if i have it uh if i have it pulled up here um there was one that made me think about this uh when i when i heard that um let's see it's in acts um Oh, here we go. Okay, Acts seven forty eight says, uh, "Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands." I think that was the, you know, that that's a quick one, but it kind of shows us the, the expectation for there to be a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit more prevalently or more frequently in one specific place over another. So at Asbury, instead of, you know, a different seminary or something like that. I don't think there's a great precedent for that. At the same time, the advertising of the revivals as as that is also a bit concerning, almost like, hey, like here are our degree programs, um, here's our student housing, here's our revivals, and here's our sports teams. You know, it seems a little bit like disingenuous, I guess. Um, all that yeah. to say, all that to say, because we, you know, we've kind of harped on the red flag so far. I do want to make sure that we're coming at this with a, you know, as we've kind of talked about a, a place of compassion and humility and really gratitude in that we are seeing, regardless of what we want to call this and regardless of, of what it is, we're seeing undeniably large swaths of, of young people that are being earnest in repentance, um, that are you know, being truthful and honest in, in their repentance of sin and their, you know, desire to, to, I mean, either surrender their lives to Christ for the first time, or I hate to, you know, to use the word rededicate, because, you know, that's not, that's, it's a very camp phrase, but to, they, they, they're, they're repenting and they're understanding that they have been in a place that's been, or doing something that's been dishonoring to God. And they're wanting to truly confess that. And there's been real worship and things like that. So I do want to make sure that we understand that even though there might be some bad apples in the group, um, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, there, Jonathan Edwards, you know, coincidentally, a lot of people have been used, like citing Jonathan Edwards to kind of justify calling this a revival. And they're citing his book, Religious Affections, which he wrote to defend really the first great awakening because there was people on either either side of the extremes, right? And we're seeing that with Asbury. We have people on the one side that are saying – this is totally and utterly a work of the Holy Spirit, and people are being healed, and demons are being cast out, and 
Um, you know, people are weeping uh, because they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the other side of the spectrum, right? That says this is a total fraud. This is not a movement of God. This is enthusiasm. It's revivalism or emotionalism, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so people like are citing Jonathan Edwards, but even then, so I think they're citing him out of context mm -hmm. because what Edwards, he makes the case that the affections are very much tied to religion, right? You can't have true religion without um, affections. And that is to say, like, if I'm talking about Christ and I start to weep when I think of the cross and his resurrection and how I have been set free because of that, that's a totally normal thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and if you watch as the, some of the videos that came out of Asbury, there's tons of weeping and all kinds of stuff, people lying on the ground and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, but where people are kind of taking that out of context is they're using Jonathan Edwards saying, Affections are a part of it to say, yes, see, uh, one of the greatest Puritans, the last of the Puritans is on our side on this. Yeah. But where they, they kind of fail to see is that Jonathan Edwards also wrote another book called Distinguishing Marks. And so where he differentiates between true and false revival. Now, we've already kind of said a couple of times that we're not willing to call this a revival. We're doing it for the sake of this episode. But in my view, anyways, this is not an authentic revival. It's something. Like I will say it is some sort of work of God, but I'm not willing to call it a revival at this moment. Um, and if we go to that video, I think he said somewhere like what started the whole thing was people stayed back and they were praying. Mm. And one of the key marks of a, uh, of an actual revival is not that people are sitting together doing a prayer meeting. It's that pe someone is in a pulpit preaching the gospel. They're preaching uh, the commands of God. They're preaching preaching the laws of God and how we fall short of those things that we cannot possibly hope to accomplish them under our own merit. And then they point towards Christ. And what you see is people repenting of their sin, um, you know, professing a, a love for Christ that's born of the Holy spirit. And, and I know we have a couple more videos to get to, yeah. but a theme that I've seen is I don't really hear anybody talking about the, the actual gospel. You'll hear some buzzwords, especially like charismatic buzzwords of like freedom, deliverance, mm -hmm. you know, all this sorts of things, but you're not really hearing Christ crucified. You're not really hearing the consequence of sin, um, right. those sorts of things, which to me, again, I know that I, I'm personally harping a little bit more on the kind of the red flags because I don't want people getting swept up into something and thinking, well, if I don't experience something like this and I'm not an authentic believer, you know, why, why am I not experiencing the presence of the Holy spirit? Yeah. And I'm just trying to maybe give a little bit uh, of guidelines for discernment on that. Like if you didn't go to Asbury, don't feel like you're less of a Christian <laughs> be, yeah. because you didn't get to experience this thing. But well, let's go ahead back, and Dakota. And, yeah, well, well go ahead. Real quick. It goes back to that idea of, or, or that Bible verse about that, that God is not, um, you know, he, he's not in, in physical buildings made by human hands. Right. So just like we talked about, if you listen to the, uh, the Israel episode, the recap episode that we did a couple months back, one of the big takeaways that I had from from that experience getting to go to Israel was that I could have as much communion and intimacy with God in my office in Texas as I can on the Sea of Galilee. And that was a really powerful kind of reminder for me. And and that, you know, and so I think that it'd be it's important for us to understand that as well. It's it is applicable for us here as well, is that if you were not able to make it to Asbury, you can have as much of a of an experience of the Holy Spirit in your home 
than you can uh, yeah. going to. I also think it's going to be interesting too, and this is probably something that could merit its own episode entirely, but we we talk about, you know, you mentioned that, or he mentions in the video, and then you kind of emphasize that this started and then it kind of spread via, you know, people either word of mouth or they would send emails or whatever it looked like. I think that if you look back at some of the some of these revivals or awakenings, whatever you want to call them in the past, historically, you do you do see some precedent or some instances of a preacher being in a town and people knowing that that preacher was going to speak at a certain time. And so there would be people running through the streets saying, hey, this, yeah. you know, this person's gonna be speaking at this time, um, which, you know, so it, it, I guess it kind of is some people would would say that a revival and an awakening are two different things, or some people would say that they happen at different times or different phases or stages. That's semantics. And I don't really want to get into that word game, but we do see some instances of there being at least some semblance of, of proclamation of something is happening. Get here quick. Yeah, um, totally. You know, and so well, look at, I, look at, Oh, sorry. Uh, but like, look yeah, at yeah. George Whitfield. Right? right. I mean, I think that's the read example accounts, I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, if you read accounts on George Whitfield when he was preaching in the Great Awakening, there's an account of a farmer who heard that George Whitfield was preaching, I think, a couple towns over. So he loads up his wife and his kids, or I think just his wife, and they they get on their horse, and they're trying to get there. And he says as he gets closer, there's just a thick blanket of dust, and it was from everyone taking their wagons, their horses, because mm -hmm. they were all desperately trying to get to to George Whitfield to hear him preach. Um so yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. Like it's not it's not the spreading of it because how would people know that's something where I get a little bit concerned is when someone's quick to say, Hey, this is a working of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Yeah. And absolutely. it might just be a, a prayer meeting, you know, because like I, I just think people might be a little bit quick to call it right. something because like in, in one sense it's true. If you were praying, you're the scriptures tell us we do that in the spirit. The spirit is the one who gives us utterance and gives us the words to say when we don't know what to pray for, right? So we know that really anytime you pray, it's a work of the spirit. But I think when people are like, oh my gosh, guys, revival's happening. Like we got to get there now. Um, I, I I have heard this phrase over and over again, the Holy Spirit hotspot, right? Mm. And I think people, um, th they hear that the Holy Spirit might be doing something and so they're like, I got to get there. But in some sense, that sort of goes against what Jesus himself promised, right? When he he spoke to the woman, uh, the the um, Samaritan woman, right, at the well, he said, there's coming a time when people are not just going to worship in Jerusalem. They're going to worship on this hill. They're going to worship over there. They're going to worship over there. They're going to worship in yeah. places that you guys don't even know exist yet. And so I think this idea of the Holy Spirit has infiltrated Hughes Chapel in Wilmore, Kentucky, in some sense goes against – now, it's not prohibited in Scripture, but I just don't know that there's a precedence to say all believers need to get to Asbury right now uh, or they're going to miss this movement of the Holy Spirit. They're going to miss out on the blessing, Agreed. right? And, Agreed, yeah. If you're thinking that yeah. if you're thinking that there is going to be something that's going to happen – as a result of you going, and if you don't make it, then that work of the Spirit is now not going to take place. That's a very incorrect uh, way of of understanding the Holy Spirit. Um, ultimately, um, something yeah. that's really interesting too. In in well, before I say that, I do want to emphasize also that Chris, like you were saying, when you said that we're not 
classifying this as revival. I think the key is we're saying not yet because we truly cannot know yet. Yeah. One of the the signs of, of a revival is that we're able to look back on history and say this was a revival because of the fruits that came from, from that. Um, you know, some of the evidences of true revival are things like obviously you see repentance because people have a supernatural uh, understanding of their sin and their desperation and their really how kind of just you know how 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 screwed up we are ultimately and there's a a a supernatural you know and really i mean for us to understand how how messed up we are in general is a supernatural working of the spirit but yep. it seems like even more so in revival it's it's a even greater acknowledgement and understanding so there's great repentance there's also the gospels being proclaimed and we see in all of these revivals and awakenings that there is a emphasis on the presentation and, and proclamation of the gospel like you said from the pulpit um, that's a big one. But something that really is interesting to me is I think I could be wrong, but I feel like this might be our first mass like revival that has been in the era of such prominent social media. So if you really think about yeah. it, because you obviously have the one from I think it was like Brownsville or something in the 90s in uh, in Florida. You probably have some little ones that have popped up here and there over the last 20 or so years. But I think this in the era of social media and from that. Obviously, there's a lot of good things that can come from that because if you want to go see the the revival or whatever's happening in Asbury right now, you can go on YouTube and watch a live stream of it, which is pretty cool. You can hear all these people giving their testimonies about what's going on, and that's awesome. At the same time, that creates an environment where a lot of these prominent artists, pastors, theologians, philosophers, whatever you want to call them, um, and a lot of bad apples in that group, they want to they don't want to miss out. They have incredible FOMO and they feel like that they need to be there um, and make it about themselves, really. So you you do see instances of people that maybe have some very questionable theology that are popping up at this, you know, at, at popping up at Asbury. While I would say, you know, just on, on both sides, just use discernment in that. Don't just throw out Asbury because of who is there, you, because anybody can come, right? It, they can't restrict people at the same time. You know, let's be careful because if there are prominent mass group of of certain subset of people that are are being you know drawn to this place, maybe there's something concerning there as well. Um, but yeah, let's go yep. to the next clip and then we can uh, we can talk about that a bit more. So let yeah, me, there, uh, yeah, there's always going to be gold and dross, right? Like there's going to be good and bad. We have in the scripture the parable of the wheat and tares. Like we live in a sinful world, so there's always going to be good and bad. And I think. That's a super important thing to think of when we're thinking of Asbury and like you said, really any other quote unquote revival. Um, you know, speaking of the whole social media thing, I think the um the Jesus revolution in the 70s probably is the closest thing in terms um now granted that was a worldwide movement and it wasn't on social media, but they did have TV broadcasting at that point. So right. probably um probably one of the the closer but uh what okay we're still on this testimony clip okay, yeah gotcha. yes we have like we have this one's about 30 seconds cool uh, one of the really remarkable things that zach said is that at a certain point it dwindled down to 19 people uh that were in hughes but they were just unwilling to leave the chapel until they had more of god um so yeah, since then it's just continued to grow. Uh, those first couple days were really marked by a very like close unity, and it felt very family. 
Um, there's a lot of confession and repentance and forgiveness um, and just a special feeling, like a special outpouring of God's love on the place. Okay. Um, a couple things on, on that that he said. There were some, he's talking about there being uh, like repentance and things like that. Um, those are some things we talked about as being genuine marks of revival. So um, definitely want to make sure that as we're talking about some of the red flags as well, we are also highlighting some things that we do see that are that are good and also making sure that we are continuing to emphasize how thankful and grateful we are that there is a large, large, large amount of young kids, um, really people of all ages, but especially young kids that we're seeing that are having a renewed or increased interest and desire uh, to to follow Christ, to know more about him, to have intimacy with him, things like that. Um, I know even like, you know, Chris, both you and I went to A&M. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but I think there were some kind of little things that were uh, popping up over there as well, um, which is pretty cool to see, you know? I mean, anytime you see kids gathering and worshiping and, and singing praises to our our God, our creator, it's a really beautiful thing. So that's yeah, uh, it sure beats the alternative. I mean, yep. it sure beats the alternative of what college kids are doing. I mean, I remember when I went to school, um, you know, like you said, we both went to AM. I remember I was almost like shell shocked a little bit at at some of the behavior because I grew up pretty sheltered and not to say I'm a saint, I'm certainly not, but um I was just exposed to stuff I'd never even dreamed of seeing or hearing about before and um, so in the midst of that, though, I was always blown away by Breakaway, right? Because mm -hmm. that was like really my first experience of seeing other young people who were worshiping God like in a very bold way. Um, you know, it's kind of maybe a silly thing. It was the first time I ever raised my hands in worship was at Breakaway just because I felt comfortable to do so in that yep. environment. Um, so, yeah, I think it. you're totally right. We got to like say the positive things like we don't want to be cynics. Um, I joked last night that in this episode I was going to be more stick. You're going to be more carrot. Uh, which I hey, I will say I'm not bragging on myself. I think I've been maybe not as harsh, um, and not focusing too much on the on the negatives. Um, but kind of in regards to that clip, you know, like you said, there was some good stuff. He's saying that there was confession of sin, there was um repentance, uh, a feeling of the love of God. Um, but again, to kind of keep a balanced view. Um, I wish he would have said something about whether or not there was actual gospel preaching going on because I, I haven't seen a whole lot of videos um, or testimonies where they're like, yeah, so-and-so got up and he was preaching the gospel and uh, people were wailing over their sin and those sorts of things because that's really what marks a true revival is when people are hearing that they're wretches, yeah. you know, and and they at least at the very least become a one point Calvinist because they realize total depravity, right? Right. Like they they are weeping over their sin, and so um and that's not to his discredit. Maybe he thought, okay, this is a quote unquote revival, so it's kind of a given that the gospel is being preached. But that's yeah, just I mean, something I've noticed is they haven't talked a lot about the actual preaching component. It's been about the yeah. worshiping, yeah. Uh, the singing, and the prayer part. Um, but anyways. yeah, I mean, I'm, I I know that like in and I've I've seen quite a few videos uh, and, and testimonials. I think they're pretty interesting to uh, to watch. And obviously, there's a whole wide range of opinions and and things like that. I have seen a pretty common theme of people saying that there has not been a lot of preaching. Everyone has said that there has been some, and they'll say that someone has, you know, they've gotten up and they've said some things and it's been solid and, and that's good. You know, that's good that, that the teaching yeah. has been solid. Obviously we want that, but I have seen 
unfortunately a lot more and and I want to qualify and clarify this is nothing this is not a statement on on charismatic anything this is not that episode so I'm not going there but I have seen a lot more talking and discussions of people that were demon possessed being set free you know and, and that's I'm I'm quoting what people are saying or people that had tumors um, I think Chris, we were talking about that yesterday, and and I saw somebody talking about that today as well. Some people that had tumors and the tumors were gone. Um, you know, the, I saw one guy had he got up there and and he was giving his testimony, and I guess at some point of it, he was saying that he lost his job, and and people started chunking like dollar bills down at him. You know, and then obviously with that as well, you see a lot of outside of the chapel itself. I've seen a lot of instances of people that are kind of out of control, people that are, you know, screaming and crying and a lot of speaking in tongues, a lot of falling out, um, drunk in the spirit, yeah. things like that. So, yeah, which is to say, you know, going back to the, you can't, they can't control everyone that comes to, to their campus, right? So I'm not saying that just because it's, there's a presence of some things that maybe are a bit questionable that throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I will say that does seem like there is a large emphasis from what I've seen on the kind of this idea that that the gospel presentation in and of itself is a little bit boring. We need more. We need more emotion. We need more healing. We need more spirit. We need more, you know, radical kind of it's in and actually, you know, this is probably a good segue too. Let me go ahead and read this uh this Charles Spurgeon quote that I saw that I I thought was really solid. Um and I'm going to see if I can share this too. Uh, let's see. One thing too, while you're looking that up, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I'll add that our listeners um, might just be helpful to know. So Asbury is technically a non-denominational university, um, but they definitely associate with the kind of Methodist Wesleyan, like holiness movement. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I think that falls under the category of kind of like charismatic or, um, or they're at least related. Right. Um, I don't think they're one and the same by any means. I'm not right. a denominations expert, you know, um, about as far as my knowledge goes as Presbyterian and Baptist. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not claiming to be an expert. So maybe I should keep my mouth shut, but just to kind of give a little bit of context, that holiness movement, they believe in the second blessing of being baptized in the Holy spirit and they'll quote, um, they'll usually just cite Acts 2 for that. And so in that clip too, right, he says people didn't want to leave till they felt like they got more of the presence of God. But my question to that would be, what's the criteria for that? You know, like how do you how how do you know when you've been filled up or you've got your fill of the Holy Spirit? You know, yeah. What I mean? So it's like, like when you're saved, you get like 50%, and then you need someone to come lay hands on you to get the other 50%. Yeah. And so if I could talk to someone from Asbury, I'd like to kind of know. I'm not that, – that's not a judgment statement, by the yeah, way. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious like what that means when someone says they didn't want to leave this physical location until they had more of God. But you know, the Bible teaches the moment that you're saved and you're justified by faith alone through Christ alone, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He sends you his spirit, and the spirit's already been working in you. We know that. Um, but before you realize that you've put your faith in Christ, really, you still have to actively put your faith in Christ. It's not automatic, but you're filled with the spirit at all times. Now he might 
remove at times, especially if you're living in continuous sin, he might remove his sense of comfort and he might remove the sense of his presence from your life. But if you are in Christ, the spirit is bound, like he is inside of you. He is the guarantor that you are going to be allowed into the kingdom of heaven one day. Right. So anyways, I'm just kind of confused on what that statement even means of like, they wanted more of God when it's like, if you're in dwell, you and God can't get any more intimate. He is literally in you. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's, mm-hmm. there's no way to be more intimate with God. Right. So anyways, go ahead with right. that Spurgeon. Yeah. So, um, so this is from a um, I, I don't know if it's a sermon or something that he wrote, but it's it's something called it's the kind of revival that we need uh, in Spice Birds. And let me go ahead and share this, share my screen here. Um, so it says a real and lasting revival. And I'm just going to read this whole thing real quick. So he said, I'm glad of any signs of life, even if they should be feverish and transient. And I'm slow to judge any well-intended movement, but I'm fearful that many so-called revivals in the long run wrought more harm than good. A uh, species of religious gambling has fascinated many men and given them a distaste for the sober business of true godliness. But if I would nail down counterfeits upon the counter, I do not therefore undervalue true gold. Far from it. It is to be desired beyond measure that the Lord would send a real and lasting revival of spiritual life. We need a work of the Holy Spirit of a supernatural kind, putting power into the preaching of the word, inspiring all believers with heavenly energy, and solemnly affecting the hearts of the careless so that they turn to God and live. Um, uh, We would not be drunk with the wine of carnal excitement, but we would be filled with the Spirit. We would behold the fire descending from heaven in answer to the effectual fervent prayers of righteous men. Um, and we can probably stop right there. But a, a couple of things here that they kind of jump out at me is the this line here where it says, a species of religious gambling has fascinated many men and given them a distaste for the sober business of true godliness. Kind of how I interpret that, and maybe I'm completely off here, but I think it's it's the what can be perceived by by some as maybe the the mundane day-to-day life of of the believer in the there's something so beautiful about just being faithful day-to-day opening the word going to the lord in prayer and if you're if you're expecting some kind of uh sensational something to happen you know if you're expecting to open your bible and a ray of light shoots up into the sky um you know and you're going to be underwhelmed in terms of, you know, it's, it's, it's not entertainment, right? The Christian walk is not for your entertainment. Um, and I think that if we're looking for emotion and we're looking for fads and trends to, to draw us closer to God, if we're looking for a physical building to do that, um, that's concerning. Um, you know, so while, while we don't want to, we don't want to push away anything that could potentially be, you know, like he said here, the, um, he said, I do not therefore undervalue true gold far from it. We need a real lasting revival of spiritual life and real lasting revival comes from power and the preaching of the word, um, ultimately and in inspiring believers. So, um, I think that's probably said much better than, than you or I could have said it. Thank you, Charles Spurgeon. Um, right. We'll probably yeah. go on. We to should the, just make. Uh, we should just ahead. make podcast episodes of reading Spurgeon, and I mean, there would be, be a, a lot, lot more, a lot more value there for sure. Um, yeah, I know we're kind of running, uh, running along here, so I'm going to go ahead and open up this, uh, this Ray Comfort clip, um, and we can, we can touch on that real quick, then we'll wrap it up. But, 
Uh, yep. Context for this clip, by the way, y'all yeah. um, should go watch this whole video because I think it's helpful, basically. And I, I'm not for sure uh, who the podcaster is, but he's interviewing Ray Comfort, kind of getting his opinion. And Ray overall is very positive. As Dakota and I are, we overall think this is a great thing. Um, it's a net positive. Um, the, again, kind of reemphasize, and you're going to see this in Ray Comfort's uh, what he's going to say here. But really, it's about discernment and trying to determine whether or not this thing is a true, genuine revival or not. Um, but yeah, Dakota, you can go ahead and roll this clip. Cool. But I think it's really helpful of what we should, you know, kind of be looking for. Yeah, this one's about forty-five seconds. Because we've got eternity to worship God. People are going to hell. And we need to get a burden in our heart for them. And we need to make sure that we go out with the biblical gospel. I've been in a revival that was huge. I was in the Jesus Revolution, 1972, down in New Zealand, where literally thousands of people made commitments to Christ. But many of them made commitments under the sound of what I call the modern gospel. Come to Jesus. He'll fill the God-shaped vacuum in your heart. He'll give you true happiness and lasting peace. That's not the way to present the gospel. We should preach as Jesus preached. We should open up the commandments and show people they're sinners. Otherwise, they won't find a place of genuine repentance and they'll be false converts and they'll yeah. fall away in a time of tribulation, temptation, and persecution. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, something that that we both kind of had had experiences in and attributed this to possibly or potentially is kind of that sort of camp high you know, when, you know, we both talked about, we were both in, uh, in church camp when we were in middle school. And I don't know if the listener can relate to this or not, but there is, you know, when you're, when you're around a group of people, and I think we were probably in, in middle school at this time, but when you're around a group of people and the lights are down and the music's going and, and, you know, you've been around, especially around people now for a few days, there's there, I mean, there, that could be, classified in terms of if we're if we're calling asbury revival then at my church camp in middle school that was revival because there was probably 300 400 kids that were all you know wailing weeping crying confessing repenting we were nailing our our sins to a cross writing them on post-it notes and right you know nailing to the cross and um you know hands were raised and people were you know laying on the ground i mean it was it was crazy um it was really cool and and I, I think there was it was incredibly genuine and it was very authentic, but I will say that there are quite a few of those people that were you know bawling their eyes out and confessing and repenting that not two weeks later were engaged in the exact same things that they were engaged in before they left, um, and a few of those people now are are pretty staunch atheists. So you know again that's not to say kind of going back to the throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's not to say just because some people have have not seen it through or because some people it, it wasn't a true conversion or you know true repentance things like that it means the whole thing is a sham not saying that by any stretch but it is definitely something that we want to make sure that we're not getting caught up in emotionalism and, and hyper sensationalism for sure yeah we don't we don't want to ever base our assurance of salvation on our experience right um and that would be if i could talk to people who experienced the Asbury revival. And I pray that God did work through that. And uh, I do pray that people were converted and brought to Christ and maybe people who have been a little bit lukewarm, maybe God used this in their life to 
revive them a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. sort of rein- reinvigorate their spirit and give them some zeal uh, for God. But I certainly would caution against, and not just for Asbury, for any time, you know, in our lifetime, this is probably going to happen again. I think when we were looking at that um, deal, not just at Asbury, but like I think every 20 or 30 years, something like this has happened at Asbury since 1905, 1906, which, by the way, is a year before the Pentecostalism uh, movement, you know, that all that started. So uh, kind of, I don't know, convenient timing a little bit. Um but yeah, we can't base our assurance of salvation or the efficacy of the working of God's spirit based on our experience, mainly because we're we're fallible creatures. You know, sometimes my emotions lie to me. Some days my my emotions make me feel I'm a lot cleaner than I am. And then uh, some days my emotions make me feel like there's no possible way that Christ could save someone like me, right? So we don't want to base it on experience. And this, again, kind of going back, we talked a little bit about Jonathan Edwards at the start of the episode. Um, One of his things is scripture has to be our guide, and that's right in line. I think it's 1 John 4 where it says test every single spirit uh, because there are some false prophets out there um, who if – they could have it their way. They would lead God's people astray. And so I just think we, our theme for this episode has really been overall positive, I think, but just emphasizing that discernment piece um, and also realizing that the way that we are sustained in our faith is by ordinary means of grace. Dakota, and you talked about that, reading scripture, praying, being in fellowship with Christians, being in your church on Sunday, right? That's huge partaking of the Lord's Supper, being baptized if you haven't been baptized already. You know, these are ordinary means of grace where the power of God's Spirit is strong and it's meant to sustain and grow us in our faith. Um, We don't have to depend on getting to experience a quote-unquote revival to feel like we've encountered the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, you've not only encountered the Holy Spirit, but He actually resides in you, and He is um, I hate I don't want to say this like in a light term, but he's your ticket into heaven. He is the guarantee that when you stand before God um, on the final day, um, that you will be permitted to come into heaven because you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. So yeah, yeah, and the, um, the beauty of the indwelling yeah. of the Spirit too is that is that I mean, really, at at any point, and I would, I mean, I'd, I'd say challenge. It's not a challenge, but I would I would invite anyone to. You know, like we're saying, you don't need to be at Asbury. Go into your go into your room, go into your closet, and just get on your knees, fall on your face before God, and confess and repent, yeah. and uh, and thank God for His His beautiful, incomprehensible gift of grace and mercy that He lavishes on us um, that we're yeah. completely undeserving of. We don't have to go to Kentucky to do this. You can do it right yeah. now in your home, um, and I, yeah. I definitely invite you to do so. Yeah, one of the things to kind of end, we'll close up here. Yeah. If we want to experience the spirit, right? Because that's kind of when we talk about things like revival, we're really talking about an experience. And if you want to experience the spirit, one of the greatest things, and this is a practice that I am trying to get better at, I'm horrible at it, uh, admittedly. But if you want to experience the spirit of God, really develop the discipline, the spiritual discipline of meditation. And I don't mean emptying your mind of all things. I mean, choosing an attribute of God or choosing a piece of scripture and meditate that, churn it around and around in your mind 
Think about things like God's holiness or his transcendence, these sorts of things. And as you begin to realize God's infinite uh, being and your finite little sinful being, you realize there's a chasm there. And so you, what happens in that is, number one, you realize your dependency on the cross, so you're pointed back to Christ. That's a huge mark of uh, a spiritual encounter is that Christ is exalted. Um, my pastor my hometown used to say – that if the the Holy Spirit had a bedroom, there would be posters of Jesus all around it because his job is to exalt Christ, right? That is why the Holy Spirit was sent to us to exalt and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in his gospel. And so if you want to experience the Holy Spirit, like Dakota said, you don't have to go to Kentucky to do or any other place where there might be a revival or quote-unquote revival happening. You just need to go into your closet with your Bible opened and read the scriptures, read the Psalms, and look at God's sovereignty and meditate on that. Meditate on his goodness and his perfections, and I promise you that you will feel the presence of God um, in that way. And, and that's a biblical way to experience the presence of God. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's all we have for today, guys. Hope you all enjoyed this, this new format. Um, like I said, it's something that we're going to try to do more frequently going forward. Um, if If you're listening to the podcast version of this and some of that was was confusing. Um, I apologize. We'll try to be better at kind of clarifying. Go to YouTube. And, yeah, and contextualizing <laughs> what's going on. But yeah, go to YouTube and you can see exactly what's going on. Um, with all that being said, on the uh, on the topic of, of podcasts, if you are listening to this on the podcast, on your favorite podcast platform, please feel free to leave a review. Uh, that really helps us continue to grow. Um, obviously, share the podcast with friends and family as well. That also helps out a lot follow us on instagram at light and lion podcast dm us with any questions that you might have also do us a favor if you have any ideas for future episodes or topics that you want us to cover uh, make our jobs easier and uh and send those to us as well we'd be happy to consider that until next time guys keep growing in knowledge to the glory of god see you guys